like all good podcasts, I'm going to start with a Zen story. It's not quite a cone. It's a little longer than a cone. Uh, and that is a farmer uh, had his horse run away. And all the neighbors came by and said, oh, that's too bad. And he said, maybe. And the next day, the horse comes back and brings with him, or horror, I don't really know how about horses, two other horses, wild horses. And the neighbors come by and they say, oh, that's really lucky. And the farmer says, maybe. And then the son, farmer's son tries to ride one of those wild horses, gets thrown, broke, breaks his leg. And the neighbors come by and says, that's really unlucky. The farmer says, maybe. And then the next day, the army comes by and starts to draft people and sees the farmer's son with a broken leg and passes him over. And the neighbors come by and say, how lucky. The farmer says, maybe. I know, right? I just wasted 45 minutes, 45 seconds of your time telling a weird, goofy story. Yeah, we're going to talk about employer brand as an infinite game just as soon as we get back from this. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes, you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the TalentCast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Yeah, new music, right? It's uh, We're back from summer vacation, such as it is. I am legitimately nervous about talking again. Um, not that I haven't been t- talking for two months since I last saw you, but... Talking in this format, I, I had trouble coming up with a topic or narrowing it down. So I uh, feel like I'm refreshed, I guess. Things have changed. Let me put it to the, this way. In the last two months, uh, I changed my job, or I'm about to. My last day is Wednesday. So if you're reading or hearing this when I put it out there, Monday the 3rd, which, by the way, is of course, is a U.S. holiday because <laughs> good planning on my part. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I by, in two days from then, I will be uh, in a different job. I will quit my job. I won't talk about that in a podcast. I'll talk about a version of it down the road. It's fine. It's all good. I'm starting with uh, consulting with proactive talent. So if any of you know Will Staney, he runs that. That's his baby, and he's asked me to join in, and I've uh, decided that's exactly what I need to do. So it's it's super exciting. Um, So I get to be open and above board about the fact that I can help other companies with their employer brand. Not just you. I mean, you're wonderful and you're fantastic and you really, all you need is this podcast, but other people need a little more help. So there you go. On top of which, changing jobs allows me to switch and launch my other website, which is jamesellis.us. So if you or your organization need someone to come in and talk and, you know, do this thing live in front of people, (laughs) I can do that too. That's jamesellis.us, blah, blah, blah. Couple other things. I'm now a member of the Talent Board Alliance. I'm sorry, the Talent Talent Brand Alliance Board, which I don't know how I got cool enough to join that, but there you go. I'm super pumped. Uh, I'm going to get more officially into that in the next couple weeks. Uh, uh, if you want to come find me, I'm going to be speaking in Chicago, HRTX, Recruiting Daily's HRTX on Thursday over at Yellow. And then sometime, I think first week in October, I'm over at the Talent Management Alliance in Houston which is interesting because that's where my parents live. So there you go. All sorts of crazy stuff have happened in the last two months since last we spoke. You, you can just see some of the stuff, on top of which my kid is sick this weekend, so <laughs> I have not had a lot of sleep. So everything's good, everything's fine. But uh, yeah, I'm in a goofy mood, um, not surprisingly, and I get to podcast for the first time in two months, and I'm thrilled and scared all at once. So let's get to it. So 
Yeah, I started with a Zen story, and and and, and it's a story that. It's unusual. It's hard to kind of grasp maybe initially, except, you know, after you listen to it a couple times or think about it or have that moment, you realize, okay, what this story is, I presume, and I'm not a Zen monk and I'm maybe not the best Buddhist uh, uh, teacher in all the land as I am, you know, barely even a novice in any of this stuff, but that is to say that picking an arbitrary end is not how you think about things, right? Life is, doesn't have an arbitrary end. Life has, an, life has an, an ultimate end, which we don't have to talk about today because this is not that kind of podcast. But we treat jobs and we treat work and we treat tasks and we treat campaigns with, and we apply these arbitrary deadlines, right? In work, we think about, okay, I need to get X amount of sales in this quarter. Well, why that quarter? What happens if you double the sales, if you get no sales this quarter and double the amount of sales the next quarter? Well, obviously that's bad according to your bosses because they like to distribute the amount of sales across the board so they don't get swamped on one quarter and uh, and kind of go fallow the, the quarter before. They like to spread it out as evenly as possible. My last gig, uh, the agency, who will remain nameless, um, that was always the push. It was always you could tell when the end of the quarter was coming because the, you know, <laughs> the sales guys would always be out there drumming up the business and trying to push that last piece of paper across the desk going, come on, sign this thing. I need to hit my numbers. My boss needs to hit my numbers. But let's be perfectly honest. That quarterly deadline is 100% arbitrary. I mean, it means almost nothing. It's not doing anything. If you get the sale on March 31st or get the sale on April 1st, What's the difference? The only difference is at the end of the quarter, they close the books and start to do bonuses and they start to do forecast planning and they start to plan on stuff, but you've assigned an arbitrary deadline and saying that's what it is. Go bigger. There's an annual deadline. Company X, how much money did the company make this year? Well, what does it matter if, this, if the sale happened December 31st or January 1st? The company is making money. The company is creating sales. Right? But we all need to apply these kind of arbitrary deadlines and how things work so we can measure things. We can say, what's the difference between how uh, Amazon is doing versus IBM is doing versus um, Disney or Nike or, I don't know, pick a company. You, you know, you're trying to compare. You're trying to decide. You're trying to decide who's the fastest growing company or who's the best company or who's an exciting company to work for, who's making the most moves, who's growing. And you apply those arbitrary deadlines. And in the end, we generally are okay with it. We've learned to apply those. We learned that at school, right? At the end of grade X, you will learn A, B, and C. You have to hand in your homework on a certain day. You have to have the test on a certain day. The paper is due on a certain day. These are arbitrary deadlines. It's not until college that some professors start to go, look, you just need to write a paper over the course of this semester. I don't care when. And honestly, you can even extend the deadline beyond the end of the semester, take it incomplete, turn it in the semester later, and get the grade then. They're really kind of blowing out these arbitrary deadlines, and that's fairly unusual. Uh, the taxes, obviously, they have deadlines. Um, mortgage payments, they have deadlines. School bills, they have everything has deadlines. So maybe it makes sense that we start to look at employer brand as if it has deadlines, and we start to talk about well, you know, employer brand. Recruiting is kind of a sprint, sort of, but employer brand is kind of a marathon. And I'm going to tell you, I'm here to tell you, it's not. It is an infinite game. It is a game without end. That is, there's not a deadline. There's not a finish mark. There's not a, uh, an end point, right? You are always in a company. So long as that company exists, your company always has an employer brand. And as such, it probably needs some sort of management. IBM has had an employer brand for 
what, like 100 years? How long are they? They're, they're super old. They've been around forever. They have some sort of employer brand. Even before anyone knew the term employer brand, they had an employer brand. Everybody knew, oh, that's a great company to work for, or oh, that's a terrible company to work for, or whatever the given year was. You know, If you're not big into white short sleeve shirts and button down and, and black ties, maybe you're like, meh, not such a great company. But if you're into ties and white shirts, then you're like, hey, great company. This is in the 60s. I'm making a joke, obviously. But They've always had an employer brand. The fact that they've only just recently, and by recently I mean, you know, over history in the last couple of years, decided this is an important thing to become aware of and to invest in and to do things with. And I don't actually know what they're doing all day long with their employer brand, but I have to presume in a company that size, they are thinking about their employer brand. But that just because they started to think about it this year, this decade, doesn't mean it started then. And that doesn't mean the second it they stop investing, it goes away. Your employer brand continues on. It's not, it's not a campaign, right? When you think about, okay, we're opening a new sales office in Albuquerque. We need to bring in 50 salespeople into the Albuquer Albuquerque office. We want to do it by the end of November. Put some resources to it. Buy some ads. Put some ads on Pandora and Spotify and Facebook and, and do the things. And, oh, maybe a radio ad. And you do the things, right? It's a campaign because you have been given a deadline. By such and such a date in November, you want to have 50 people in that office hired and maybe even onboarded. Wouldn't that be nice? But the business halfway through may decide, it turns out Albuquerque is not the way, where we want to be. Turns out we want to be in Anchorage, Alaska. I don't know why, but there you are. I'm sure it's a lovely city. So you move, and the business moves. And anybody who's worked in a business for any length of time knows that if there's one thing that's for sure, it's that businesses will change. I've worked for many, many companies, and every one of them jokes how unusual the amount of change they have is. And they're wrong. That is the standard amount of change. All businesses change all the time and have for decades. And if you didn't feel that way, it was because you were too far below the line at which strategic thought processes were occurring. Your job was just to drill a hole, put a bolt in, manufacture a widget, whatever, and your job was to simply make 100 today and 101 tomorrow and 102 the day after that. Right? That's all it was. Maybe you didn't think there was a lot of change, but there was. There was change everywhere. So anyway, if the business is always changing and the business needs always change, doesn't that mean the employer brand has to have some flexibility? For example, let's say you're going to launch a Glassdoor project, and I completely endorse a Glassdoor project, having just kind of, you know, done pretty well with my own on my day job. You know, we moved from a 3.1 to a 3.5 in the space of about seven months, um, and I'm going to talk about that in some other podcast, I'm sure, but it was a heck of a process. The fact that we hit 3.5 doesn't mean we're done. I would like us, this company, to hit 3.6 by the end of the year, and the people who work for me, at least for the next two days... Um, I want them to hit 3.7 sometime next year. I want them to be well above average because I think they have that potential. I think they've got the ability. Can they hit 3.8? Maybe. Could they be a 4.0 company? And when does that end? When are you done investing and thinking about your Glassdoor rating? Well, spoiler for my money, I think it's about the day Glassdoor ends. <laughs> <laughs> when Indeed and, and Glassdoor figured out how they're integrating themselves and probably into one big mega site in about a year, okay, Glassdoor will end, but your ranking will not, and you'll still concern yourself with the ranking. You'll know that when someone's looking for a job and they spin, you know, they type in the job title of the city, and brrr, there's 4,000 responses in Indeed because they're the big job board and that's what they do, and right next to it is a Glassdoor rating, which people tend to trust a little bit more than Indeed ratings. Um, 
people will rate, will say sort by that rating. And suddenly your jobs will either float to the top or float to page 72 never to be heard from again. But when does it end? When do you say, I'm done, I'm good enough, my glass door rating is good enough? How do you determine what good enough is? What happens when you get to a 3.8 and you feel really good about a 3.8 and leadership changes or the company acquires somebody or gets acquired or they have a complete pivot and change in direction or they're invested by another company, invested in by another company and they decide they're changing their strategy and changing their audience, they're pivoting away from this. And that means the culture has to change. That means the people have to change. That means the business strategy has to change, which means the employer brand has to change, right? Look, I talk about Amazon a lot because everybody knows who Amazon is at this point. And when I talk about their employer brand tagline being We Pioneer, there's, as far as I know, there's no stone tablets that say We Pioneer. Jeff Bezos, who is having a bad employer brand week this week for things that involve Twitter, um, I don't think he thinks on any level that the employer brand is cast in stone and it's done. It evolves, it changes, it grows, it, it pivots, it switches, it, evol it moves, it's, it's flexible, right? Look, 20 years ago when Amazon first started and they were just trying to sell books, they never thought that, well, maybe, I mean, who's to say? I would love to, hey, Jeff, if you're listening to me, and I presume you must be because obviously I'm a deeply important person, wah, wah, um, Let's interview. I, want to, I would love to interview you about what really happened, what was really in your head at time X, Y, and Z. Because I think 20 years ago when you're selling books, I don't think you had the moment of, you know what? When we make a good chunk of our money selling web services, <laughs> what? I don't think they thought they would ever have to worry about those things. Their job was to manage a couple of warehouses efficiently. And by the efficiently, I mean more efficiently than the Borders or Barnes & Noble that may or may not have been around the corner from you, meaning if you want an obscure book, either you can wait for four weeks for Barnes & Noble to get around to special ordering it and maybe remembering to tell you they have it, or you could go to Amazon, order it, and three days later, there it was. This is before Prime, so two-day shipping, still relatively new. Um, that's, that was efficient. And so consequently, having a couple people putting things in boxes and slapping mailing labels on it and mailing it out to people, that was efficient. And then Prime came around and they started realizing we can sell socks and we can sell hardware and we can sell books and I guess they don't, well, I think they do sell, they do sell music, but they, why would they, why would anybody buy a CD? I literally don't even have a CD player anymore. Um, or they'll sell you diapers or they'll sell you an, a robot and I can't say the name because I'm too close to my version of the robot and she will pop right up with a little blue ring. But they're going to sell you all this stuff and they realize as they sell in their stuff, other people are like, oh, we can sell stuff more efficient too. And they have to say, we have to be the most efficient. So they do offer Prime. and They do offer free two-day shipping. And they do start to buy their own Boeing 747s and shipping things and having delivery on a Sunday, right? How crazy is that? When the first time Amazon knocked on your door and said, here's your package, Mr. and Mrs., whoever you are, and it's a Sunday afternoon, you're like, what in the hell? That's more efficient. That's what they meant by pioneering. Now... They didn't think about that 20 years ago when they're selling books. So consequently, they probably didn't think of themselves too much as pioneers. They were simply trying to be the best possible store, which means they were trying to be a kind of Nordstrom's for online. So I don't think the, fo the focus on pioneering really evolved or really had sparked yet. Or if it just was a spark, it wasn't really a threaded through everything they do, not like it is now. 
20 years from now, will we pioneers still be the thing? Well, uh, presumably Mr. Bezos will be living on some other planet or an asteroid and with his own uh, bubble, and, and, and I don't know if they'll consider themselves pioneers. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe what we mean by pioneering will change. Maybe what they mean by pioneering will change. Maybe they will spin off all of their uh, uh, warehousing services and all their retailing services and purely be a web player. A really, all we do is sell web services and fulfillment services because that's where they think the money is. Maybe. Does that mean they're still a pioneer? Does that mean they're not a pioneer? Who's to say? Amazon changes business plans all the time or shifts their business plan. I think they're, you know, they always have a plan, but they, it shifts and evolves as new opportunities present themselves, just like your business does. Your business is not static, and I don't care if you're selling recruiting services or uh, uh, online software as a service calendaring or amp, uh, air conditioner units or whatever the heck you're doing. Your business is always evolving, right? I know of a business in Madison who makes air uh, uh, humidifiers, and their business is evolving. They're getting deeper and deeper into so in, uh, Internet of Things and how to integrate into like a Nest ecosystem and stuff like that. And 10 years ago, they never would have thought of that. Their employer brand changes and has to change because instead of just hiring people who manufacture air uh, humidifiers, they're now hiring integrators and software designers and UX planners and, 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 and. Consequently, when you're trying to hire the best or a better air conditioner manufacturer or uh, uh, words I'm looking for, person who puts it together, right? And there's a word and I'm blanking, but whatever. Um, if you're trying to hire that person, the com competition level is at a certain level, meaning you're trying to hire the, the fabricator. That's the word I'm looking for. You're trying to hire them from, say, a, I don't know, a place that builds cabinets or a place that an auto repair shop or even a big auto facility or a place that puts radios together, what have you. And the competition set is a certain set. But once you decide we're going to get involved into Internet of Things and integration software, well, the competition set radically changes. You are not going to hire um, automotive, or, I'm sorry, uh, software designers from the radio manufacturing company. They don't have them either. Things change. And if the business change, the employer brands change. And this is when I get a cup of coffee and I play the little music. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. All right. Mm. It's a late cup of coffee for me, so yikes. Who needs sleep? Not me. Anyway, so the employer brand is an infinite game because business is an infinite game. It always changes. The arbitrary deadlines we assign to ourselves are a way of forcing ourselves to look back and say, have we made any changes? Changings, changes of import, changes of meaning. So when I was running the team over at the agency, I, you know, you, the, the job was a mess when I picked it up and I kind of put my head down and I was doing 12-hour days and hiring people like crazy and growing it and talking to clients and talking to internal stakeholders and talking and hiring people and talking to my team and teaching them and all this stuff. And every day was an insane grind. It was really, really hard and it 
you never really noticed that anything changed. I mean, the team would get a little bigger. Maybe we get new clients and that was kind of cool. And maybe I got to be involved in the quarterly all hands meeting and kind of reveal something or talk about something. And maybe my star was kind of sort of on the rise, so to speak. But day to day, it looked the same. Day 300 was effectively like day three, right? It was just about get it done, build the deck, build the sales pitch, rewrite the contract, uh, teach people how to, to do this job, um, push, 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 push. And after a year, we were doing these quarterly kind of quarterly business reviews internally and all the team would get together and we'd you know have some pizza and, and, and shoot the shit and, and kind of talked amongst ourselves about what we're learning and what we wanted to do and all this cool stuff and you know one time we did a disc assessment of everybody on the team and that was kind of cool but after a year I said look it's in it, it's it's of some importance that we say we've done this for a year let's turn around and see what we've done and so what I tried to do is I literally spent 10 minutes going what's everything that's happened to us in the last year Hire this person, lost this person, this client, change that client, um, this event happened, this thing changed, uh, we promoted this person, we brought in interns suddenly, we did all these things I just listened. I put each one of them on a, on a single piece of paper, like copy paper, right? And turns out there were like 30 of them. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And so during the quarterly business, I kind of shuffled them up and handed them to the team. I kind of broke up in chunks and say, okay, here's 30 things. Put them in order of what we've done and, and, and say the door is a year ago and the front of the room is today. So put them in order. In fact, you're kind of making like a path out of paper. And it took about 10 minutes. It was a lot of fun to do. But it was a moment in which I kind of looked around and went, wow, we've done a lot. We've changed software. We've involved more capacity. We've involved more, uh, we can s solve different kinds of problems. We involved ourselves in a different kind of social tool. We, again, hired people. We, left pe we lost people. We lost clients. We brought in more clients. Um, you know, all these things that happen. And until you stop and turn around, you don't realize that given day 300 was the same as day three, you realize what had really changed. That all that work had meant something, that had resulted in something. And that's the trick with an infinite game, is that you need these moments to say, stop a second, turn around, and see all the changes that have happened, for better or for worse, or both, right? Go back to the story, the, the story of the, the farmer and the, the horse and the sun and all that good stuff. At any given time, if you stopped and said, this is good or this is bad, you could assign a value to it. You could say you're done. If you if that each of those little pieces of the story was the end of the story, you have a uh, you end on a high note, you end on a low note. You end on a Star Wars, or you end up in Employer Strikes Back or Empire Strikes Back. Employer Strikes Back, by the way, should be another podcast. We'll do a whole Darth Vader thing, maybe. I'm probably copyright violation out the wazoo. I do not need George Lucas on my ass anymore. I say anymore as if that's ever happened. Anyway. Um, you know, where you end the story signifies whether it's good or bad. And I was, like I said, in the current job, we were in a place where we were had a glass door rating of 3-1 for seven years. And before that, we were at a four because this company was a hot startup and it was a bit of a unicorn and super talked about and super press friendly and growing like crazy and everybody was using it. And again, if you need to know what I'm talking about, go on my LinkedIn, you'll see exactly who I'm talking about. And there was a time in which we were a four-rated company and then... Four months later, we were a 3-1, and we stayed at a 3-1 for seven years, long before I ever got there. And so when we move it to a 3-5, and presumably in the future a 3-6 and maybe even a 3-7, that's how we stop and say, we've made some changes. Yes, this is an infinite game. Are we done with Glassdoor? No. 
what does done with Glassdoor mean? Are we done with our ratings? No. Are we done with uh, Fairy God Boss or Power to Fly or any place that has ratings and reviews or uh, Comparably or Kanunu? Are we ever done? No. As our company evolves, our strategy evolves. So when you decide that you want to play an employer brand role and you want to get into it when it comes to employer brand role, it isn't a sprint and it isn't a marathon. And I will guarantee you somebody who's probably your boss or worse yet, your boss's boss is going to come to you and say, what's the ROI? But how do you measure the return on investment on something that never ends? Return on investment has arbitrary start and stop dates. It has deadlines. It has beginning and ends. You know, what is the end like and what is the, how does that compare to the beginning? And that's your, um, your return. And what does that change in your investment? And that makes perfect sense when you're talking about numbers of hires, numbers of sales, amount of sales, quality of sales, margin, all this good stuff. Things that are very, 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 very quantifiable. But employer brand really isn't. For example, Glassdoor will happily tell you, and I'm sorry to talk about Glassdoor a lot today. I don't know why that is. But Glassdoor will happily tell you that companies who have a 4 to 4.5 rating perform better in the market and have better hiring processes and can hire pe better people faster than someone at a three to three and a half star rating. But if that's true, couldn't you then say every 0.1 star increase should lead to X? And they can't. They can, since they don't have internal data about things like number of people who apply, quality of people who apply, they can't say that if you increase your rating from a 3.4 to a 3.5, here is the value. Here will be the expected return on that work. And when I say investment in Glassdoor, whether you're putting money on the table or just doing the hard work of responding to reviews and asking people to leave good reviews, which is you know also work, let's be fair, that's an investment of time and energy, not just money. What was the value? What, what did that get you? And infinite games are funny that way because it's very hard to define ROIs for infinite games. And on some level, yeah, it's kind of a way for people like me to say you can't really measure employer brand, which you kind of can't, but you kind of sort of can. And maybe you've decided that there is a element of this you do want to measure. That's great. That's fine. But think of other infinite games. Other infinite games are your career, your family, um, your own personal self-worth, your own personal mental health. These are infinite games. You don't suddenly stop. There's no end to those things until things are really, really ended, right? You choose to decide, okay, this is something I'm going to measure. This is something I'm going to keep an eye on. This is something I'm going to involve myself. But there's really no beginning or end. Your mental health has always been there. Your family has always been there. And however you define family, and there's many, many ways to do that, obviously, but it always has been. Even if, you've, even if you were an orphan left alone in the woods and you're raised by wolves, well, technically the wolves are your family. Who you decide to pair up with, who you decide to partner up with or marry, they're your family. Your best friends are your family. If you have a kid, they're your family. That doesn't end. Even if, God forbid, something horrible should happen, it still doesn't end. Your family is your ecosystem of you. So how do you register the value of them? Right? How do you say marrying person X over person Y had a certain return on your investment? Yeah, best of luck kind of talking with your, your, your significant other about that one, let alone your boss. But infinite games are almost impossible to measure like that because they don't have 
non-arbitrary beginning or end dates. They have, you know, if you want to assign an arbitrary beginning or end date, that's fine. You can kind of see the difference between A and B, but because employer brand is this weird thing, it's not always obvious how to measure it. For example, how do you measure better quality hire? Is your better quality the person who walks in the door who is um, more likely to meet the expectations and more likely to meet the qualifications you put in your job description? Okay, that's easy to measure, but who's going to be more valuable to the company? The person who meets the qualifications or the person who doesn't quite meet the qualifications but has the other qualification that is going to make them super valuable in the future? Quality of hire is an infinite game too because when do they stop? When do you stop measuring the quality of that person? When they leave, well, not even then because they might boomerang or they might have networks or they might have led your business into a place that it might not have gone to, putting your, putting your business in a place where it can do all sorts of amazing things. It's an infinite game and you can't measure it. So be careful, right? When your boss wants you to talk about how do you value this stuff, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting a little deep here and my coffee should be kicking me and I should be a little more goofy and I, let's, we can talk about George Lucas suing my ass later if we want because that's just kind of weird. Um, but that's what it is. An employer brand never ends. The brand doesn't disappear until the business ends, and sometimes not even then. There are cases of companies that have long since died that are bought. The, the brand is literally bought and, you know, uh, Frankenstein-like, you know, resurrected from the dead and relaunched just because it had lingering brand value, i.e. the brand had value even when the business effectively had none right? That's amazing. So suddenly the brand exists beyond the company. It exists as an idea. That's the game you want to play. And so when I talk about that from a professional level and what does that mean, it means every day is a slog and every day is trying to put your best foot forward and trying to move things in the right direction. And there is no end. There is no stopping. There's a point at which investing in your Glassdoor rating or investing in your Indeed rating or investing in your LinkedIn audience or whatever you want to try, maybe there's a point at which the cost of moving that needle forward is becoming more and more expensive and thus not as useful to you. For example, the cost of moving from this, you know, this company from a 3.1 to a 3.4 was X, but the cost of moving them from a 3.5 to a 3.8 maybe triple that. It's going to take a lot more work to get beyond a 3-5. Is it worth it? And that's a question you have to ask. And that's a strategic decision you get to make. Because the time and energy it takes for you to move that company from a 3-5 to a 3-8, you could be doing other things. You have to decide where your talent and, and efforts and resources are best spent. Not because at the end of the year, they're going to look back and say, did you check every box? Did you do everything we asked for? You're elevating. And the next time you elevate, you're going to be expected to elevate more. And you're going to make decisions. Do you spend the resources here or there? Just like the business does. Because that's the other trick. Business is the infinite game. We just never talk about that that way. The fact that the news and, and stock uh, uh, um, experts and people talk about, okay, where did the market close at the end of the day or how did it close at the end of the week? That doesn't matter. That's just an arbitrary deadline we've applied. Just because your market closed down on a Friday doesn't mean it doesn't explode positively the next day. Because business is an infinite game. It's always going to be happening. It never ends. The Dow Jones decides to pack up shop and say, we're done, we're good, we've achieved everything we want. That doesn't mean businesses stop. It just means that metric is gone. 
Every, these things are infinite things, and we need to approach them as such, not as a marathon, not as a sprint, but simply as a way of thinking, these things are always going to happen. So your job is to simply step in, move it forward, and then pass it along. Someone else will take your place one day, whether it's in, th- in this week or this year or this decade, it doesn't matter. Their job is to take it in the next direction. All right. Well, that's all I had to say. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too crazy or weird, boring. I'm starting to get my sea legs under me. Literally, I'm doing the learning, remembering how to do this as I do this. So uh, there's a little end music here, but you know, whatever. And thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate it. I will be back next week and we're back on our game every week publishing Monday morning. So uh, can't wait to hear from you. H- have any questions? Ping me. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. What? You, any, hell, I'd love to answer your questions. The live and on the air, so to speak, if that's really the way to put it. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.